Welcome inside the Mississippi Salute Podcast. I am your host, Ray Coleman. We thank you so much for joining us. I serve as the Director of Communications here at Mississippi VA, and we are always, first and foremost, looking to serve America's heroes, Mississippi's veterans and their families. So you'll hear me plug this now and at the end of the show. Uh, be sure to visit our website, www.msva.ms.gov, for all of the services and benefits that we can offer you. We have veteran service officers all across our great state, uh, most of them on campuses and universities across the Magnolia State. Uh, we also have uh, veteran service officers here in our central office in downtown Jackson and, of course, at the three Veterans Affairs Hospitals that service you and your families. Uh, today, we have a great guest, um, a, a civil servant and a man of military service, a Vietnam War veteran, um, and a household name, probably, if, if you pay attention to state government at all. Uh, we have Commissioner Willie Simmons of the Mississippi Department of Transportation. Uh, Willie Simmons is serving in his first term as Central District Transportation Commissioner, covers 22 counties with a population of approximately 1 million people. Um, he has served in the Mississippi State Legislature as a senator for more than 26 years. His last eight years, he served as chairman of the Senate Highways and Transportation Committee. Under his leadership, over $5 billion was spent throughout the state with construction and upgrade of federal and state roads, county and municipal streets and bridges. Also, millions of dollars on public transit transit, port railroads, airports, and other infrastructure support systems. He played a huge role in projects such as the repair of Woodrow Wilson Bridge in Jackson, the upgrade and repair of Highway 8 in Cleveland, Mississippi, and Highway 82 bypass in Leland, among many others. He has served as the chairman of Corrections Committee and the vice chairman of the Public Health and Welfare Committee. Commissioner Simmons served as deputy commissioner of corrections prior to joining the Mississippi State Senate and before that time as the reason he is here, amongst others, he's a combat veteran of the Vietnam War. He is a graduate of Alcorn State University, where he received his <clears throat> MS degree and his educational specialist degree from Delta State University. He is married to Mrs. Rose Sibley Simmons, and they have four children and 10 grandchildren. How about that? <laughs> 10 grandchildren. Uh, Commissioner Willie Simmons, sir, we thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Let me thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. It's Absolutely. My pleasure to be here. I don't know if we should start with your with your military service, your civil service, or the ten grandchildren. You you are a busy man if you got ten grandkids. Well, they are busy. <laughs> <laughs> I only have four children, uh, but the offsprings of those four children has given us ten grands and yeah. eleven great grands. So and that is awesome. Good bless. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, when I hear the name Willie Simmons, uh, before I even met you for the first time, the, the thing that comes into my mind is service. You have made your life about service, not just your career, but your life. Um, we'll get into your military side, but I would actually um, like to talk about your early life, where you grew up, where you came from, what was life like for you uh, when you were a child through your, your teenage years, so on and so forth. So just give folks, the listeners, an idea of, of where you're from and, and how your life was. <laughs> Well, I've been blessed. Uh, coming from a long ways, uh, born in Utica, Mississippi, Hines County, just yeah. outside of Jackson here. And a midwife uh, birthed me. Uh, so I wasn't born in a hospital. So that lets you know that I come from back in the day <laughs> and was blessed to have a large family. Yes. My mother and father had 11 children. Wow. And so as a result of that, we had to fight and choose which piece of chicken we was going to get. And mom always made it possible that we can all eat well and, and yeah. do well. Yeah. So growing up in Utica, in that large family, uh, I would call it a, a nice, comfortable home, but one that could be considered today as a shack and mm. that you could 
look at the ground through the cracks of the floor and look up through the uh, ceiling and through the tin top and see the moon and the stars. And that wasn't about being romantic. It was just the way the house was structured at the time. But we came out of that, and we were very fortunate to be able to have some parents who wanted us to be educated, all of the children. So we went to school at Utica High School, graduated from Utica Community College, and on down to Alcorn, where I received a bachelor's degree. And from there, moved to the Delta Star Teaching School, okay. uh, where I met my wife, uh, Rose Sibley. Uh, we both were teaching at Rosedale. And just a lot of good things happened in the Delta, so I never came out of the Delta. Yeah. Continued to live in the Delta. Uh, taught school for two years and was drafted into the military. Went to the Army, Vietnam, and all of that. So that life, uh, growing up in Utica, uh, my parents instilled some values in us that has followed me throughout our lives, and part of that was working and serving. And so here I am today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You mentioned that you were drafted into the United States Army. Um, the people that I've interviewed on this podcast, some volunteered, some were drafted. Uh, for you, when you got your draft notice, um, was there any any fear? Was there any um, second thoughts for you? Kind of give us that, that thought process when you were, were drafted into the United States Armed Forces. It, it was a shock, and it was very frightening and, and somewhat fearful. And because I was in Chicago during the summer working. Okay. And when the letter of invitation came from the president of the United States <laughs> inviting me into the military, uh, my mother would always hold my mail in Utica for a few days. Mm -hmm. And after getting a few bunches of mails, she would send it to me in Chicago. So I actually received a letter on a Wednesday before the Monday that I was to be inducted oh, wow. into the military. So I only had a few days to think about it. And being in Chicago, uh, upon receiving that letter, I was shocked, and I started thinking, what can I do not to go to the military at this particular time? Because, one, I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave my girlfriends sure. and all that good stuff. Uh, so I made some phone calls the next day to see if I could uh, do something to keep from being inducted at the time. And the only option that I had was to enlist as an uh, officer. Okay. Uh, and I could have done that, but instead of having two years, I was going to have three years. And I wasn't looking for a career in the military at the time. So my two brothers and I, who was in Chicago at the time, went out on Wednesday night and had a good time. And went out on Thursday night. And on Friday morning, they put me on a train, sending me to Mississippi to come right here just north of you on State Street. That's where the induction center was. Yes, sir. Uh, to report on Monday morning to be inducted. It all happened so fast, and, and you're now inducted into the United States Army. What, what was the training like? Where did you have to go after you left Jackson? But what was that next step before you were actually deployed uh, for the Vietnam War? What was that next step for you? Well, I was hoping when I came to the induction station that morning that I would not be accepted. I was hoping I was going to be one of those that was rejected. And I'm in this long line, and three individuals in front of me, uh, as they're getting up to the officer, and he looked at him and he said, rejected. They go that way. Rejected. Rejected. I'm the fourth one. He gets me, he said, accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so they sent me over into a corner and then put us in a room and told us we'd be boarding a bus uh, because we would be going to the airport and they would be flying us to Fort Bragg's, North Carolina. That day? That day. So it wasn't like going back home and telling your family that I've been inducted in a few days, a few weeks, I'm going to the Army. 
uh, we left the induction station after going through the process that morning and boarded an airplane and flew to Fort Braggs, North Carolina to be processed into the military. And two years or 28 months uh, went by and did a lot of things in it. But that was the process of getting me into the Army. So I didn't have a an opportunity really to say goodbye yeah. to friends and families and let them know that I was on my way to another life. Um, other than those who I was able to tell during that short period of time sure. that I was actually had been in, drafted into the military. Spending time with Commissioner Willie Simmons, the MDOT Commissioner for the Central District here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Um, this is always a weird question, and, and I'm, I'm still working on how to phrase it. Do you have any memories of your time serving as a combat veteran in, in the Vietnam War? Um, pleasant memories, not so pleasant memories, any that you're willing to share. Do you have those memories during your time in the service of serving in the Vietnam War that stand out to you? I have many. Uh, because, again, 20 years, my infantry, my my, Bravo, my uh, MO was Bravo Infantry, 11-11 Bravo. Mm -hmm. So that put me on the front line. Yeah. Uh, went to Fort Braggs, finished basic, uh, left Fort Braggs, went to Fort Port for AIT. And right after Thanksgiving, received orders going to Vietnam. Uh, once again, short notice going into the military after basic training and uh, infantry going, going to uh, Fort Port. Uh, gave me only like six months yeah. in the military. And I had orders going to Vietnam. So I came home for the Christmas holidays in December, spent the whole month of December at home, and then reported to Seattle, Washington, where I was processed to go to Vietnam. Serving in Vietnam and serving in the military, I'm going to say, really caused me to mature. I was a grown man, young, mm -hmm. uh, 22 years of age okay. at the time when I was drafted. So I'm going to say, based on the lifestyle that I was living, uh, I had started teaching school, bought myself a GTO, and I had about seven suits, so I could wear a different suit every day, yeah. and riding around in the GTO, so I was kind of feeling good about myself. Absolutely. I would, too, if I'm riding around in the GTO. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Had a good life going. For sure. It was, it was kind of a fast life, and the GTO was fast. Yes, it was. And I was driving it fast, so it probably would have <laughs> caught up with me and taken me out at some point, uh, because... Uh, being transportation commissioner now and looking at our highway system, I know that the highways at that time was nowhere close yeah. to being as good and safe as they are today. And driving at speed wasn't one that was probably going to be good for me. Sure. So going into the military, I would say caused me to um, a tour and probably put me on a different path from what I was on, even though I had finished all Corn State University and taught school for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, I still had some maturing to do in life. So memories in Vietnam, uh, one was the coming together and how well we, the soldiers uh, in our unit, jailed together. Uh, and I can think of times when we was out in the field on a rainy day like today, mm -hmm. uh, and we would do our sea rations and cook, uh, warm up the meals that we had, and we would eat from each other's can. It didn't matter whether he was black or white, uh, because we was... Vietnam, we was in Vietnam, we was United States soldiers uh, serving our country. And that's what it was all about. Yeah. So that that was a, a, a memory 
to remember. And then there was those days when you wake up and uh, things was happening that you was blown away with and everything. But mail time, <clears throat> mail time for the most part always helped to bring you back to reality. Because that's when the loved ones and the friends was getting the mail. Sure. And if you heard the story <laughs> of mail calls and individuals not getting mails and how rejected they are, uh, it takes something from you. And that's why, folks, encourage uh, individuals to be a friend uh, to a soldier when he or she is away overseas. Write him a letter because sure. mail calls, you really want to hear your name called to get mail. Those great days. And then when a love package would get through to you, uh, very exciting because you feed the entire squad of the company yeah. was going to get something out of that package uh, from you because you shared things yes, that way. Those were good memories that we had, uh, even in Vietnam. And one of the great things, I guess, was my being able to go to Hong Kong for my R&R for seven days uh, while in Vietnam. But had some great times. Uh, but again, it caused me to be able to grow and mature mm -hmm. uh, while serving the country to be a better person. Do you ever look back on those moments when you were serving? You mentioned the R&R &R in Hong Kong, and you say to yourself, I'm a young man from Utica, Mississippi, and because of my military service, yes, I was at war, but I was able to see a different part of the world that no one else may ever see. I was able to literally see another part of this world that most of us only read about. Most definitely. Uh, that and flying into Guam uh, on my way to Vietnam uh, we landed in Hawaii Honolulu and that was a beautiful thing being able to look at the ocean as we was flying into Hawaii uh, and look up at the sky at the same time and you got a beautiful sun light shining out of the sky uh, this blue background and then you look below you nothing but blue water with the ocean that was a coming out of Utica, Mississippi, from a kind field. <laughs> that was quite an experience to be able to see that. I can only imagine. And, and, and then leaving there and going to going to Guam, and from Guam to Cameron Bay, uh, where I was processed into Vietnam. So yeah, that was a great experience in doing that. And that experience allowed me, again, as you indicated, to do something that most individuals from Utica, Mississippi, would never be allowed to do and have the opportunity to do. But also. Uh, spending that time in Vietnam and serving the country uh, up on returning from Vietnam and getting out of the military, mm -hmm. uh, I came back into an American that, one, uh, America itself was torn over Vietnam. So you didn't find a, a love and welcome hero kind of a thing yes, sir. Uh, coming out of Vietnam and then walking back into the workforce and looking for work uh, and often being denied like South Central Bell. Uh, utilized Substance Bell until they merged to be an AT&T, mm -hmm. uh, applied for a job with them and couldn't get a job with them because they said I had too much education. Uh, the challenges uh, that we saw coming back into America. And then when I went to work for the post office in Cleveland, uh, although I had served in the military and working for the United States Post Office, uh, we were attempting to go eat uh, one night at a restaurant in Cleveland. And when they realized that I was one of the black individuals who was coming to eat at that particular restaurant, mm -hmm. they told me we couldn't come. Uh, that was kind of devastating. Um, being again, um, Vietnam vet, yeah. serving in the military, and you come back home and you receive those kind of services. We, it's so it's so important that you bring up that point 
Um, I've interviewed World War II veterans, and they talk about their return, how they were welcomed. Korean War veterans, same thing. Um, not only did you not get that acknowledgement as a veteran, a combat veteran coming back from war, but you also had to deal with that aspect of race. Um, and you could have easily just said, well, I don't want to deal with this. But along your journey, you made a very important decision, in my opinion, and it stands true, that instead of you running from the conversation, you ran towards the conversation and turned your military service into now what we consider civil service. Um, did those aspects have anything to do with you saying, I want to be a change agent when we talk about the, the political structure of our state? Yes. And, and I think that was part of it uh, because I, I could have gone postal, mm -hmm. could have gone done a lot of other crazy kind of things. Uh, but again, I saw the government as one, give me an opportunity to serve my country, but secondly, give me an opportunity to grow up and mature and kind of find myself and recognize who I was. And then I was blessed, uh, ready to be able to come back healthy because many of my comrades who served with me, yes, sir. uh, did not come back. Many, uh, came back mentally disturbed or physically, uh, um, mm -hmm. and couldn't function. So they became a dependent upon the family and or the state country. I was blessed. <clears throat> I came back whole. I came back stronger mm -hmm. than I went. So my service in the military was one that benefited both me and the country uh, by my being able to go and serve. Coming back into that situation, uh, caused me to understand that we had work to do and we had a lot of work to do. And I can always remember being out of, in that wet field, raining and eating sea ration together. Uh, and we were all brothers. Uh, we were all embracing each other sure. and trying to survive and, and fight for the country and, and come home. So in doing that, I kind of looked at life that way. And when you talk to folks now about my political uh, agenda, my political career, you will hear them saying, well, you know, Willis is the kind of guy who worked across the board. <laughs> Willis is the guy who sees uh, individuals for who they are. And it doesn't matter whether they're Democrat, Republican. It doesn't matter whether they're black or white. Yes, sir. Uh, Willis, the senator, Willis, the commissioner, work with folks to try and get things done. That was our mission in Vietnam. <laughs> That was our mission in the military. That's what we was trained for, mm -hmm. uh, on how to work together, have a mission that you carry out collectively and working together to make it work. I saw myself as being an agent of that movement to try and, and do that. So I came back uh, and continued to serve. Uh, prior to going to Vietnam, I served as a school teacher. Mm -hmm. When I came back, <clears throat> I served as a community worker working to help train individuals to get better jobs and then moving from that to work for the postal system for a while and then going into correction. Uh, they gave me an opportunity to help those who had gotten caught up in the criminal justice system Sir. and confined. Uh, I remember walking into Parchment and seeing all of the black men, brothers, locked up. And I said, man, the justice system is, is, is screwed up. <laughs> we got all these brothers who are confined and we need to do something for them. So part of my work was to help them find work and get a job to get out of the correction system and, and go and make a better life. So I did that for many years. And then, as you indicated, becoming a senator, 
and did that for like 26 years. Mm -hmm. So all of my life, you're exactly right. It's been about serving and trying to be an agent of change, trying to make life better for others. Uh, because once again, that's kind of what the military trains you to do, yeah. is to protect yourself, take care of yourself. But in doing that, take care of your comrade because it takes the two of you to survive in that jungle, in that war. We've we've heard so many stories of, of you doing exactly what you said, reaching across the aisle in that term uh, to just get the job done, to make sure that our state has the infrastructure that is needed uh, for so many different day-to-day -day transportation, for commerce, you name it. Um, you have seen that through in your 26 years. Um, and now you're with a, not a new venture. You've been commissioner for the Central District for, for some years now. Uh, but you're in your first term. What have you learned? Um, what have you, what knowledge have you gained and and used from your military past to kind of help you in the position that you're in now to continue to serve our state? You know, someone asked me one day, why are you the commissioner and how did you get to become commissioner? I said, you know, it was, it was ordained. <laughs> God, God uh, had this plan for me. Yeah. Although I did not know that I was going to be a commissioner, never even dreamed of being sure. a commissioner. Sure. But my rationale for saying that is when I was going up in Utica, I go back to we lived on a, a, a farm with three families, my father, Mr. Frazier, and Mr. Dixon. And the three families uh, farmed about 100 acres of land wow. together. But we they had a, a pathway, uh, which was a dirt road, it went across a ravine, a little uh, bayou. Mm -hmm. You needed a bridge to go across it to get to the other four parts of the field. Those three men were smart enough that there was a bridge there, and they would keep that road in good enough shape so that they could move the cotton, the corn, the horses, the mules, the cows, across that bridge and up and down that road to get what needs to be done. And during the winter months, they would repair that bridge to make sure it was good enough to take care of the movement of the cargo right. during the summer. While picking cotton, I could see airplanes flying over the field sometime, and I would look up and say, man, I wonder who was that flying? Who was that flying that plane? And is that something I would want to be? And we also had a field right near the highway, uh, Highway 27. Yep. And every now and then you would see an 18-wheeler uh, going past. And I say, you know, I would like to drive an 18-wheeler. So I'm let to say that the airplane, transportation, the 18-wheeler uh, going up and down while I'm driving and picking kite and chopping kite. And my parents and his two neighbors being three commissioners of the road and the bridge yeah. that was moving that cargo, and how they were repairing it. So I was being trained to be a commissioner for transportation. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and, and, and watching how they did it. Because we as commissioners, uh, we have all these miles that we have to maintain uh, on our highways. We basically do the same thing. We, we review and we look at those miles through our staff. And they monitor and evaluate the condition of them. And they work them and they build them during certain periods of the year, just like my parent 
and and his neighbors did. My father and his neighbors did with that little small ruined bridge. Yeah. And the very highway, Highway 27, uh, is been identified by us as being one of the most unsafe highways in the state of Mississippi. And it's one that we're working on now as commissioner mm-hmm. to say that we need to enhance that highway and four-lane it to make it safe because wow. those 18 wheelers now, uh, are so many of them on Highway 27, that has become a disaster. Sure. And it's a fatality highway that kills a lot of folks. So when you look at my being right next to Highway 27 and seeing that 18-wheeler, uh, my watching my father and them playing for and deal with that bridge, and I'm doing the same kind of thing. Yes. So it was ordained. Yes. And I was yes, to be yes, commissioner. Yes. I just did not know I love that. on that. I love that. Um, I asked this question um, because I like to give the veteran an opportunity to share their opinion on, on what we can do. And when I say we, everyday Americans, what can we do better to honor America's heroes? Um, you know, here at the VA, we obviously try to try to, meet and, and surpass the standards of health care and um, other assistance that may be needed. But just as that everyday American, what can we do better to show our appreciation to, to America's veterans? Every time we see a veteran, thank them. Thank them for their service, regardless of what branch they may have been in, regardless of when they served, what conflict or war, or even whether they did not go to war. The fact that they was willing to raise their hand and put on the uniform to serve, they had warrants. You're recognizing them for their commitment mm-hmm. to being willing to serve their country. So to give them thanks. And then take a look at your community and see where the veterans are because many of veterans, as indicated, not as fortunate and as blessed as I was to come back to be in the health yes, sir. and condition that I'm in. Uh, many of them have needs, uh, both mental and physical, uh, and physical uh, because they need money in many cases. Uh, they need transportation. When you can help a vet, help one. Yeah. When you are able to uh, say something kind to them and let them know that you appreciate what they did, uh, do so. But in addition to that, veterans are supported by friends and families. And when a veteran leaves and go overseas, uh, whether it be Vietnam, Germany, or wherever they may be assigned to, uh, they are leaving behind a family that struggles and suffer much stress uh, on that mother or that father or that wife, husband, who watched that individual leave and go away, not knowing where they're going, not knowing where they're going to return. Uh, that's a lot of stress. So when you have a family like that uh, in your community, take advantage to say hello to them sometime. And just do something nice for them, something small, to let them know that, one, you appreciate what the family is committed to because the family is serving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just not in the uniform. No question. They are not overseas, but they are actually serving, and in many cases, under more stress than we the soldier may be in because yes, we the soldier have such a support system with all of our comrades and all of the resources that the military and the army bring to you mm-hmm. through that process, it gives you a little bit of comfort uh, because you have all of that. The family oftentimes do not yeah. have that. And the community don't see them as being any special other than just a regular family. But 
they're going through those stress, and when they don't hear from that soldier in a certain period of time, uh, they become very concerned. Sure. Uh, they're afraid of the doorbell ringing. Hmm. Uh, so once again, showing love and appreciation, but speaking it so that we can hear it. Let us know that you appreciate our services. And, and, and sometimes uh, something simple, you may see a veteran or soldier or someone in a, in a restaurant and just decide you have a few extra pennies and you decide you treat them yeah. he and or she and their spouse or significant other to a meal that day. Makes them feel good about the fact that they're serving their country because we're a little bit better now. But too often uh, in the past, we really have not given our soldiers the real pay hmm. that they were worth and deserve. When I went into the military, uh, initially, my monthly pay was like $97. Okay, I believe it was 97 Maybe 197 <laughs> But something very small. It was so small. I had a GTO that I told you about. Yes, sir. I had to give a GTO up. I couldn't pay the button the, the notes. <laughs> so, you know, again, we, we, we've seen some improvements in that as well as the benefits, but still, we have a long way to go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wise words from a great American. He is Willie Simmons, Mississippi Department of Transportation Commissioner for our Central District. Here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast, sir, we appreciate you for spending time with us. We know, especially this time of year, we know that your your schedule is hectic, but but you stopping by, sharing these wise words, and just sharing your memories and your accounts. Um, very much appreciated, sir. We, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your service. I'm honored, and thank you for what you're doing for Mississippi, and thank you for what you're doing for veterans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, he is Willie Simmons, MDOT Commissioner for the Central District here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Again, if you are a veteran or a family member of a veteran, be sure to visit our website, www.msva.ms.gov. Check us out there. We have all of our information updated from our veterans' homes to our cemeteries to benefits that may be available to you. If you need to file a claim and find a veteran service officer, those contact information numbers, there for you. Um, you can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, at MS Veterans Affairs. That's an S on the end. Um, that's the same for Instagram. And on Twitter, it is at MS Vets affairs check us out we're always updating information not just from our agency but from the federal va and our partner agencies um, any information that can be beneficial to you the veteran and or your family we want to make sure that you get it um, we thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back with you again soon but until then i am ray coleman for the mississippi salute podcast we'll see you